Welcome to the Everything Podcast, the place for everything education. Whether you're a first-year teacher or a seasoned educator, our mission is to help you employ smart strategies in and out of the classroom. We firmly believe that teacher burnout isn't inevitable. Part inspiration and part implementation, we discuss the why and how to make your classroom effective and sustainable. We're your hosts, Danielle and Nicole. You're listening to the Everything Podcast, podcast episode 10. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Nicole. Are you ready to talk about parent-teacher conferences? Very ready. Very excited. Parent-teacher conferences, very big deal, right, Danielle? Are, are you ready to have parent-teacher conferences? <laughs> Different ready to talk about them. Not quite sure if I'm ready to have them, no. Just kidding. We're going to spend some time today breaking down some steps for a successful parent-teacher conference, and I'm very excited. Excellent. And I know that at the beginning of some of our previous episodes, we've talked a little bit about why you should give something a try, like moderating a club, for example. In this case, we don't necessarily need to have that discussion. You know why we need to have parent-teacher conferences, and you're probably obligated to have (laughs) parent-teacher conferences. Accurate. So for that reason, we want to take just a little bit of time before we get into our tips for how to have a successful one in order to convince you that maybe we need to shift our mindset regarding parent-teacher conferences. We know we have to do it, so let's change our outlook. It's important that we start to see this as an opportunity for full communication, an opportunity to get some face time with parents and guardians, an opportunity to share all of the great things that you're doing with your students in your classroom. And I think once you start to shift that and see it in a way that really is a positive experience, it's great when you think about it. There's so little opportunity for you to have that face time. So although it can be daunting and don't know that anyone's really doing a big countdown for this (laughs) exciting event, but it's something that great things will come of it. Absolutely. Just like with back to school night, you might initially have a lot of anxiety about it, but by seeing it as an opportunity, you realize that there is a lot of potential for growth, both in terms of what the student can do from here on out and your relationship with that parent or guardian. Your goal is to have parents view you as an ally, not as an enemy. And that might be difficult, especially if your first set of parent-teacher conferences are directly after report cards and maybe some students didn't do as well as parents would have hoped. Oh, yes. And Danielle, when you referenced back to school night, it also made me think about all of the prep that went into planning for that night and making Mm -hmm. sure it was successful. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into our strategies. Because the first one, just like with back to school night, is to have a structure for your parent-teacher conferences. So with that, I'll say that in my own experience, I've gone into this not having so much structure. I've gone into this being prepared as a teacher. Mm -hmm. You have your grades printed. You have examples of student work. You have things to show off and things that you may want to bring up, draw attention to. Having all that evidence there is great. But when the parent sits down, sometimes it's just all them. Yes. And that can be (laughs) tough, especially when you are at perhaps the middle school level or high school level where you're dealing Mm -hmm. with not just a group of 25, 30 kids, maybe you're dealing with 135. So with that, you have to be mindful of time, 
managing that time effectively and having structure, taking the lead so parents don't feel pressured and even taking the lead to the point where you are driving that conversation that isn't allowing for parents to dump information on you. Oh, yeah. It might be a situation where a parent is going to come in and kind of dominate the conversation if you don't take the lead first. And that might be a calculated power move, or it might be they just don't know what to say either. And you have made them thoroughly uncomfortable by attempting to be polite and letting them start off. But honestly, this is your classroom. This is your domain. You set the tone. Completely agree with that. Now, there's more than one way to set the tone, though, I think. And I think for most of us, the first thing that comes to mind is verbal instructions. I know at the beginning of my class, I frequently will give my students an overview of like how we're going to spend the next 40 minutes together. So that way they know exactly what's coming up. And I like to do that even in parent-teacher conferences. Verbally say something like, today I want to briefly touch on name of student um, and how he did this marking period. So that way we can focus on how name of student can improve, grow in the next marking period. And by doing that, you're establishing that, yeah, we'll talk about the performance so far, but we really want to make sure that the conversation is concentrated on the future. So well said, Danielle. I started to implement this method in my parent-teacher conferences, really trying to set the tone from the first conversation that I have. Even if I happen to have Mm -hmm. 45 of those conversations in a night, I really do my best to make sure that every single one of them begins the same way. And I think that having some type of form or some resource that maybe even gives you that one line that you need. Today, Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about this, this, and this, and then have that end that I love that you said before so that we can focus on how the student can improve and grow. That's something that just circling back to that, whatever the, however the conversation might lead, that's your key. Yeah, I, I think so. And making sure that the parent sees that you are forward thinking, I think sends the right message right from the start. So whether you want to keep that one line for you on like a clipboard or whatever you have in your hand when you're greeting parents, and then that's your kind of cue in your mind to make sure you say that, or even if you want some version of that sentence to be on a form that you might be handing the parent, I think either way, it works really nice. I spent some time this week checking out what's available on Teachers Pay Teachers and amongst a lot of other blogs. There are so many forms out there. A lot of them have the title like parent-teacher conference form or conferring form or parent worksheets. These, of course, we're going to link to some of our favorites in the show notes, but this is a great way to have that structure, the verbal structure, like you mentioned, Danielle, right? Starting that off verbally, but having this to go back to and having parents Mm -hmm. something to take away with them. There's a lot of a lot of the time. I know we chatted about this before, Danielle. Where parents come in, they don't have a pen. Yeah, <laughs> that happens, and and then they ask yeah. you for one, and you're like, "This is just like class." <laughs> yes, exactly. So being able to provide that resource for parents to take away with them, to jot down notes, to have some form mm-hmm. of structure, so that they're able to walk away with some actionable steps, and they feel like a partner in that situation too, right? Because you're not just giving them a typed up uh, assessment 
of the student where you have done all of the work and they're just passively receiving this information. Now they feel a little bit of ownership too. And if they're actively taking notes, it will one, give them something to like focus on and ground the conversation. But if they have questions, I think they feel a little bit um, more comfortable asking if it's that kind of conversation rather than you talking at them because you're giving them something that they're just taking mm -hmm. home with them. Mm -hmm. And just a quick note about some of these worksheets that I mentioned earlier, they're editable. Mm -hmm. You can change them to fit what happens in your classroom, depending on your grade level, depending on your subject area, and depending on the student. If there's a particular student that yeah. you are concerned about, maybe you're really proud of, and you want to showcase a particular skill or place to grow, that's a great opportunity to outline that in the form of a resource, but also to give parents that real showcase <laughs> This is where the student is excelling. This is where they could be excelling. And I think providing that level of individual attention is sometimes difficult to do when you do have a line of parents out the door and maybe you're feeling mm -hmm. stressed for time and pressed for time. And so I think in planning and preparing, of course, our favorite, we are doing yeah. our best to make sure that those key students that we need to just draw that extra attention to make sure that we get that attention, make sure that we spend that extra moment uh, addressing that. And that brings us perfectly to our next main point, which is to be really specific with your feedback. I know that every parent wants to walk into parent-teacher conferences and hear all of the best things about their child, but you also want to make sure that it's both accurate and it's actually about their child just hearing oh he's doing really good work what does mm -hmm. that even mean mm -hmm. um and i think that making sure that the feedback that you have is specific is part of that planning process right um if a student has done particularly well they were like a stellar example of the last project of the last essay whatever it was point that out Completely. I love being able to show off student work at an event like this. When we mm -hmm. do have a number of parents who are in the hall, they're in your classroom maybe, waiting to speak to you, wrapped around the hallway, whatever it might yeah. be for you. What a great <laughs> opportunity to show off that student work. I take every opportunity I can to promote what we do in the classroom, to have parents just passively standing close to something that may grab their attention. Wow, that's this student's essay. That's this student's mm -hmm. artwork, whatever it is. And in having right. that as a way to drive the conversation, but also a way just to infuse throughout the entire experience of the night. That's, that is such an excellent point. I think that's something that even a lot of veteran teachers don't necessarily take full advantage of. Instead of having parents who are standing in a line, not too pleased that they are standing in a line, at least now you're making it more of a well-rounded experience. At least they can see some of the insights that are happening in your classroom. They can see what you guys are working on. So that way, maybe they have a more positive feeling going into that 
conference than they would have had otherwise if they're just standing there kind of looking Mm -hmm. at their watch. And even if maybe you're not ready to post a bunch of student work or you don't have time to do that, or maybe there's just not the space available to do that based on what the layout is like for your parent-teacher conferences, if there is something for them to do, even if it's a preview of all of the projects that are coming up, so that way they can take a look at what is going to go on in your classroom for the rest of the year and the next marking period, something like that. Again, the parent might feel that they're at least a little bit more informed at the very least about going, going to go building that partnership. Yeah. And I think that brings us to what happens when that very specific feedback that you need to give isn't so positive, Mm. isn't so glowing. Yeah. Being honest is a major part of this experience easy Mm -hmm. to sidestep the truth in when it comes to this very confrontational meeting that you're going to have with a parent or a guardian, but making sure that everything is framed in a respectful way to the students and to the parents. So much of this is tied to home life and in outlining Mm -hmm. that a student is lacking in certain areas, parents sometimes go on the defense when you have that conversation. So in framing, however the student is, successful, whatever level they're Mm -hmm. successful at, framing that in a respectful way that honors what parents do for their students and how students are progressing is so essential. Yeah. And if maybe there is one area that the student is lacking in that you think that there's incredible room for improvement, point that out. Say that based on his or her work in this other area, you think that they're able to achieve at that level, but maybe they need some either additional help with things, whether that's coming to see you after school on certain days for that type of extra support, or maybe it is a behavior issue that you've noticed in class that you want to make the parent aware of. And you can say maybe that is part of what's interfering by talking to the parent in order to like troubleshoot the problem instead of place blame. I think that's going to be a way more productive conversation. Agreed. And moving forward with that, steering the conversation away from numbers and towards skills. That is the goal. So often you have all of your resources ready, all your evidence of how that student did with numbers attached to it. So it's easy to Mm -hmm. have that as the driving point of success. The student received this number and this is how this conversation is going to go, especially when you're considering all of the many, many, many parents coming to see you. I know in my experience, that's how I've started out the conversation. Well, these are some of the average test scores and this is it. And it's it's just Mm -hmm. not the best way to go about that. And I love being able to talk about the skills that students have mastered as a talking point, Mm -hmm. as a way to move through the deficits and the successes. And I think that having a skills-based conversation is yet another way that you can frame the student work and the student progression in a respectful way. I know that in your class specifically, you use the I can statements. Can you talk a little bit about that? So in my Spanish classroom, I use yo puedo statements, I can statements at the end of a unit or a section where students have a bunch of bubbles that have different statements. I can describe Mm -hmm. myself. I can tell the time. I can. And these skills Mm -hmm. are, they vary among content and and level, but it's a way to check 
for understanding and it's a way for students to really reflect in a way that I don't think that they're doing on their own. And I'll use mm-hmm. this data to drive how I plan for my next section, or maybe I'll stop completely and need to reteach something based on the feedback that I get. But it's another way, another piece of evidence that I have for my parents to show off how students are progressing. So I use those statements, those resources mm-hmm. as a part of the bundle of things that I have to show off to parents. So often uh, as teachers, we either will use vocabulary or terms that are unfamiliar to parents, acronyms, a lot of jargon, a lot of things where parents are just Mm -hmm. unfamiliar and it's not their fault. There's just a lot that we talk about and we just don't really consider uh, another audience for that. And that jargon might be education related or it might be content specific related. So true. So with that (laughs) and having what I believe is understandable at the student level, having that as also Mm -hmm. part of the way that you communicate with parents is also another way that I like to make sure that parents are understanding where I'm coming from and they can see exactly how their student has identified their progress. Yeah. I Even if you're not using the exact same framework that you are with the I can statements, if you do have some sort of reflective piece that the student has done, whether it's based on their performance in the classroom, on an assessment, on their progress regarding their writing skills, whatever it is, showing it in the student's own words. In my experience, the students are really honest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And maybe they have actually been more honest in that type of reflective self-assessment than they would be when they go home and they tell their parent what they did at school that day. Completely. Yeah. That's been my experience as well. And a lot of the time the student doesn't realize my plan with these statements. <laughs> they don't know right, they don't right. my ultimate yeah. plan. So they will be quite honest. I have also seen um, if we're doing that kind of self-assessment after a essay or something of that nature, sometimes students will talk about how long they spent on that particular assignment. And that can be really important and insightful mm. too. Great point. So if you need to bring that up to the parent, because maybe the student isn't putting in the time and effort that a certain project or essay or assignment needs, or maybe they're spending a lot of time on it and you need to talk to them about, even though the student is performing well, you are maybe a little bit concerned about the way in which they're studying or the way in which um, they're composing their essays, because if they continue on in that same vein, they won't be able to compose a timed five paragraph essay in class, or they won't be able to um, study at the college level when you're talking about a cumulative exam, like a final, Mm -hmm. something of that nature. So we're chatting about how to frame student progress in a respectful way, in a meaningful way. And it's also important to know that this is an opportunity for you to give praise when deserved. Parents are in your room, and yeah, the first thing that we're going to want to hear is, your child is amazing, and maybe that child mm-hmm. really is amazing, and what a great opportunity for you to be able to share all of the ways that that child rocks. So giving praise when deserved, I, I personally get so much joy out of doing this and yeah. being able to give, spe- again, coming back to this specific feedback about mm-hmm. where this student excelled, how they excelled. I mentioned a couple times now how I like to have student work just being able to show in so many ways 
how this student is doing. And that praise doesn't have to be connected to a number, right? You've already mentioned that we don't necessarily want to focus only on what the exact grade was. If that student has really like picked up class participation in the last three weeks, make sure that's noted. Completely. Which leads us to our next point. Focus on the future. Don't dwell on the past. Danielle, I love the Mm -hmm. line that you create. Coming in today, we're chatting a little bit about how this student did this marking period. And then we're going to focus on how the student can improve and grow. And that's such a great way to frame your conversation. So you really are focused on the future and providing parents and guardians with action steps for getting there. Because honestly, dwelling on the past is not helping anyone in this situation. It's not helping you because the parent is probably going to feel more defensive. The parent may or may not be particularly happy with what has happened during that last marking period. So by showing that there's always room to grow, you're going to have a more positive interaction. And hopefully you're going to have much more communication because our very next point is that as you're wrapping up the conversation, again, just like with back to school night, reassure the parents and guardians that communication is always a two-way street and the lines of communication are always open. Being able to provide parents with that worksheet that they can take notes on, that they can get that meaningful information from you, another great opportunity for you to write down how they can best communicate with you. Mm -hmm. Reiterating how you want to be communicated with, reiterating what the timeline for response should be, things like that, things that you probably have already mentioned. There's no reason why you can't say it again as the conversation is coming to a close. And coming up with measures of success for that student. So being able to really use language around that skills-based success. So not tying it to a number, but being able to provide parents with some tools to help them at home measure how this student can be successful and to help them monitor Mm -hmm. how their students are doing. I know often at the lower levels in the elementary years, we think about having parents as a really significant participant in making sure that students are successful, but it really does not matter what grade you have. Parents can and should be recruited as part of this process. If there's something that they're not particularly happy with, that they think maybe their child could be doing a little bit better, explain to them what they could be doing in order to help the child do that, what they could be monitoring, things of that nature. And a lot of parents will say, well, how? How do I get involved? Mm -hmm. What do I need? I don't have access to that. I don't have this. And that also stems from a lot of the conversations we hear in the classroom with our students. Well, I don't know how. I don't have this. I I don't know how to get it. Right. So another great opportunity for you to provide some recommended resources for your parents along with your students. So much of this happens in the home. So being able to arm parents with the right resources to help partner with their students to help champion their students to success is another way to help them get there. And those recommended resources, I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes the resources that they're asking me for aren't necessarily to help with grades in my class, but they're just related to school or my subject area tangentially. Um, So for example, 
many of the parents that you might see in high school might already be thinking about SATs or ACT scores, and they just want to know maybe a website or a book or something of that nature that they could look into for that student. And I think having a list available so that way you know exactly what the go-to is or telling them where they can access it if you have some sort of like learning management tool where parents also have access to all the information it's a great way to channel that energy in the right direction i completely agree with that makes me think about an experience that i had at parent teacher conferences one year where i had parents Mm -hmm. asking me how can my students study better do you have recommendations for how they can prepare for tests in general And it prompted me to create a few different resources for my parents and my students. I feel that that conversation, I don't really know when that conversation happens. When when are parents and students really learning how to study? So maybe this is an opportunity that you want to take advantage of. Yeah, I I don't want us to get too far off topic. So I I think that could be its own podcast episode (laughs) maybe coming up in the future because I had a student today say that they didn't do well on a particular quiz they had in a different class and that they had studied for four hours last night. And I said, but how did you Mm. study? Does that mean you just had the book open? Like I said, different, different time that we can really get into this. But the idea that maybe parents need to be more educated on either the resources that can help students academically, whatever their goals are, or just the particulars of your class. If your class has an online textbook, if your class has a membership website, things like that, making sure that the parents know how to log into it, what you're talking about when you're using that, or when they see a grade that's related to that particular acronym, great opportunity again. We talked about so much today, Danielle. I hope that our listeners are are maybe seeing this dreaded event. I'm just kidding. Maybe they're seeing this event in a way that they hadn't seen before. This really is a really important opportunity for communication. And it's something that I'm really starting to place more value on as a teacher and Mm -hmm. as a member of my school community. There's so much there for us. And I hope that our listeners can see that as well. Yeah, I know we've used the word opportunity a lot in this episode, but I think it really does perfectly encapsulate how we want you to feel about this particular night or however many nights you have of parent-teacher conferences coming up throughout the year. All right, Danielle. As always, it's been a pleasure. (laughs) Definitely. I hope you have a very successful set of parent-teacher conferences and I hope our listeners do too. All right. Talk to you soon. Until next time. Bye-bye. If you'd like to learn more about us and the services that we offer, head to everything.com.